Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to 11 Personnel. It is January 18th. I am Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. And the portal is closed. <sighs> uh, I, I'm not a big Marvel guy. I watch the OG Marvels, but I... You know, once the Avengers hit, I'm done. But I'm like uh, Doctor Strange here making the portals, and now I'm putting in reverse. And it's, it's all a time lapse going backwards because today is the final day. I think we have till 11.59 tonight, Luck it, for players to hop into the transfer portal. Uh, but it looks like all the activity for Kentucky did conclude the deadline to add uh, new students for the spring semester was last Friday. Uh, the Cats, let, let's just talk um, about the general, let's start by talking about the general, uh, the ins and outs. Look at, were you there, were there any big surprise losses going out from the portal uh, compared to when we did this transfer portal preview, like, I don't know, what was it, six weeks ago? Yeah. <clears throat> first things first, excuse me, I'm a little hoarse from four days in Vegas, but like Nick, the number one thing for me was this this is too long. Like this is not a big deal today that it's closed. We don't need it to be six, seven weeks, however many. You know, it's just a long time for a portal to be open. Second one, really, I think that there's two here. One's not in the portal, one's carrying to Valentine. He left. I think that was a surprise. And then Justin Rogers is the other surprise for me. Those two were the two 
And then I think you could throw Kobe Albert in there, but that one makes a little more sense on the surface just because of the numbers in the safety position and the guy that recruited him isn't here anymore. So I think that adds up a little bit. But those three, I think, would be the three that I was expecting to be here for spring football. Kobe Albert ended up uh, landing at Mississippi State, which feels like a great spot if you're safety, right? You, three three five defense, yeah, uh, can be versatile there, uh, multiple positions. So I, I would not be shocked if he was starting when Kentucky goes to Starkville uh, next next fall. Which maybe we can talk about that a little bit later because there was some significant news down in Starkville uh, over the last week. But uh, Justin Rogers ends up at Auburn, so you had two guys transfer out two other SEC programs, and that's that's noteworthy, right? Like, it just is, because I, I don't know if they'd both be starters or not. Rodgers certainly would be. Uh, there was even a time where I thought Rodgers might end up back at Kentucky. I also thought it was – it's January 18th and Keontae Goodwin. Like, we just – we don't know what he's doing. He was spotted at UofL, yeah. but, like, mm-hmm. that that's that's been so weird because he was such a highly sought-after recruit. And he, he spends a year at Kentucky, doesn't do much. And I think if you're looking from afar, there was some confirmation for all the people, their worst fears about Goodwin, right? Like the hasn't played much. We question his, his work ethic, all that sort of stuff, because he's not in, he's, he's not in the playing shape he needs to be in right now while schools are, Pursuing or not pursuing him. We don't, we don't really know what the deal is. That was a very – I'm more surprised, Lockett, that that has not been a vocal transfer portal recruitment because it was such a vocal high school recruitment. Yeah, it's a little weird, right, that it's taken this long. You'd have to think at this point, Nick, he's – I guess, like – see, I don't know how the eligibility works for guys like this, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be in school. I mean, what, where he, he's going to enroll somewhere, I guess, but – you know, it's you pass weird, the date. Man. You pass the date. Does he go to like JCC downtown for a semester? I'm I'm not really sure. Man, you're dating yourself calling it JCC too. <laughs> What's it called? What's it called now? Uh, JCTC. They they added the TC. It's technical college. No, okay. it's not community college. Um, oh man, oh. that's a great call. Because like we're like the last people that called it JCC before it was yeah. JCTC. <laughs> but you're right. Like it, there is just like a. Um, you know, I, I I don't. I remember Jared Stidham did that. He left Baylor, and then he went in like some community college in Texas for a semester before he went over to Auburn. So I, I just don't know what what how that process works for Keontae. It's been very weird. Florida was a name I think thrown out there, but yeah, I don't know where he's going to end up. You know, we thought it would be Louisville. If it was going to be Louisville, why is it taking this long? Right. Right. It's I mean, just we weird, also weird situation. He could come back, but like he would have to be enrolled, right? Like so, the, it's just it's it's very bizarre. And ideally, you would want him to come back, right? You would want him to figure it out. Um, I've, I've always thought Keontae was a good kid with a lot of potential. I'd like for him to figure it out, but I don't know. Like he's not doing anything, so I don't know that. There's some others that aren't doing anything like it that don't necessarily surprise me, like Michael Drennan. Not, yeah. I mean, like I Rasan can see Lewis. that. Yeah, like Rasan Lewis is six year walk on. Like I could see why he's not playing football anymore. Michael Drennan, like I can see why they wouldn't be playing football anymore. 
Um, some of these guys I thought are some really good fits elsewhere. You know, I mentioned Kobe Albert off the top, but like Chris Lewis, a guy who we liked a lot coming out of high school, getting reps at Troy and going up against corners that aren't going to just physically kind of get after you like SEC ones will. Like he could have a ton of success there. Um, I thought it was a little on the smoke to Colorado. Like it, it doesn't surprise me that smoke appreciated that allure, but I feel like he's already done that. Right. Like it would, would it be fun to be a part of this kind of coach prime experiment in year one? Yes. But I think it would be more fun to play for a 12 win team and rush for a thousand yards of Troy. But you know what? Like to each its own. Right. Right. Everyone has their, what they're looking for. I wouldn't surprise smoke ended up at a power five though, just because look at the numbers. Yeah. He's got a bunch of rushing yards experience. I get it. And so he's going to go out there and play and, We'll see how it goes for him. But, yeah, that was a – because it looked like he was potentially maybe going to Troy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were really his two spots. Um, that we know of, right. Right, 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 that he was at least publicly saying he visited. Um, the flip side of the coin, peep, uh, prospects on the way in. Like it, When you look at the way that Kentucky handled the portal from I guess, filling holes – it feels like they kind of did everything and with maybe two exceptions and those exceptions, I would almost, I would almost rather than wait for. And, what are your and two exceptions there, Nick? I, I would say you, you would want a right tackle to compete with Flax um, and, you know, maybe even a swing tackle, right? Cause you just, you, you're not really, I'm not really sure on Buford and Flax and those two guys, you're going to have to rely on them to do a lot next year. Maybe one another tackle. Uh, but it's in the same applies with maybe another quarterback is like, you can, you can kind of figure it out this spring. Once Liam actually gets in there and gets to see the stuff up close and personal, because there is going to be another transfer portal window. There's going to be more guys. You can, you can make people a priority. And especially when it comes to quarterbacks and potential backup quarterbacks, um, because you, you wrote on the site once like the kind of, pedigree that you'd be looking for right like some former four-star that like spent one year um at Purdue like Walker Howard who was at LSU for one year uh Jane Daniels comes in decides he's gonna be there for two years Nuss Myers you know kind of head and shoulders past Howard right now that sort of profile a former top 200 player that is getting passed up I feel like there's going to be more of those this spring so it would be Mm -hmm. it would feel natural to just wait until after the, the spring competitions unfold for you to go and, and find another position. Yeah, I'm just – we're assuming, but we don't know for sure if that's what they want, you know. I would assume sure. that's what they want. But, I mean, we're going to have to see how that plays out. Um, to me, kicker. Kicker's one. They need a kicker. Well, did, did they get some kickoff specialist walk-on or something? I feel like we got a 1,000 kickers and none of them kicked the damn ball. Yeah, so that's – that's one. What are they doing at kicker? That's one of my big questions. And right tackle is obviously the obvious one. Yeah. I think when you look at needs, like, they they added two guys at cornerback in Jansen Dunn from Ohio State and J.Q. Hardaway from Cincinnati. Both have kind of intriguing traits, like tall, length, athleticism. But they haven't really played at all. And there was a lot of proven corners that – that have playing experience hit the portal and they didn't go after. They went after these guys. 
So that's going to be, to me, looking back, like looking ahead to November. Does that work? You know, because you're going to need at least one of those guys to start, I think. Yeah. I, uh, I would with agree Andrew with Phillips. And so you're betting on traits there, but both those guys are young. So if you hit on them, you're going to have them for three years, two to three years, which would be a good thing. But that, that became a big, I think, issue after you lose Carrington Valentine was addressing that. Number one was quarterback. They got their top target, which is yeah, a big yeah. deal. But at, at corner, though, they've – hell, at both positions, they, I feel like they have a pretty – like I can trust them, right, with betting on long cornerbacks with trades. Because, I mean, you brought in a lot – and th- this was a different era, but boss man, fat, Lonnie Johnson. Like, it's not that different from getting Derek Beatty and Chris Westry ready to play as freshmen. Yeah. And they did uh, that. Yeah. They've shown that they don't – like they, it's an easier system to play corner in, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe not a system a lot of promising corners want to play in. Sure, because <laughs> it's not you're not you're not put, you're put on an island a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of zone coverage. It's you not know, the NFL tape that they want to show off. Right, you got to come play and help support the run. And if you're playing towards the one of the side of the field or the boundary, a lot of times you can be ignored. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the way they play, I think it's a little harder to maybe recruit to that position. So, like taking maybe like because Hardaway's a true corner, but Dan Dunn's like this tweener. Got recruited as a safety. Couldn't really find a home at Ohio State. They they moved him around all different positions. Kentucky's going to try him out here at cornerback and their you know cover three scheme and see if it if it works. But they've proven that they can make it work. Like Keedron Smith had a hard time at cornerback at Ole Miss. Yeah. And he just had an outstanding year here. Second team all SEC for the coaches. And so they've they've found ways to make it work. Westry was a mid-three-star recruit, and he came in and started as a true freshman at SEC and looked good. They find, they've been able to find ways to make this work. But I think it's clear they're getting back to that length mm-hmm. and athleticism that they went away from for a little bit. They're getting back to that. And I think they're betting on it, it working, like they're finding one of those guys to make works. But I think that's huge because they really do need one of those guys to be a player. Yeah. And, I sound like and a that, named defensive coordinator over here. Uh, you're After. Matt House on the mic. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned Devin Leary getting your core. Like that's, that's of the utmost importance, right? And it also – I think even more so for me is – we do a lot of hand wringing over nil and blah 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 blah, but like doing well enough to get your top guy in the portal, and you got him over another SEC program, revisited yeah. multiple schools. This was a different. This was unlike like you've gotten, you've been able to get transfer quarterbacks, pretty much every other year since Stoops has been here, and they've all been quality players. They seem to get better and better each time around. Um, and, and this time you were able to, you know, weather the storm with some big dogs and, and go up against some of the big guys with big, big, deep pockets and win. I, I think that part of this is significant, right? Like, yes, the nil can always be better, um, but it was good enough to land Leary right now. And that it's exciting to look ahead to Liam Cohen's offense. We can talk about what the future quarterback means, but what, 
you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Devin Leary, so we're not going to waste a ton today. Uh, I do want to say on the O line, right? Yeah, that that was that was what I was going to get to. Like they did, they addressed it here with Marcus Cox and Tanner Bowles, but like neither of those is a slam dunk or a proven. Com- I would I shouldn't say proven commodity, but. Like, you kind of know what you're getting with Larry, I feel like. I, I know what I'm getting with Ray Davis, but I'm a little more iffy on, like, Marcus Cox and Tanner Bowles. Like, what are we exactly getting here? Um, and they need at least one of those guys, to Cox, to be a starting left tackle. And they need Bowles, if he's not starting, to be a guy that rotates in and plays a, a lot of snaps for them. And so what do they look like? You know, Cox coming off an injury. Bowles has never really played at Alabama. Did he play because he wasn't good, or did he just get lost in the shuffle? I mean, we're going to find that out pretty soon. Um, so those are two big ones, I think, because they really they need bowls just for depth reasons, and they need Cox just to solidify that left tackle spot. And so that that that's going to be very important, I think, hitting on those evals, making sure they got those evals right and making sure those guys can help them. We've reached the time of year where UK starts tweeting out pictures of uh workouts right and yes yeah. and, and i'm like well who's that guy that's what i had to do i had to go on instagram and like pull up and you know how they tag the names yeah it's like oh well bowls is the big redhead can't can't get him confused um but but especially cox coming off injury right uh leary as well you just i'm just there's a little there's some uncertainty there whereas i at least feel like i think my favorite part about ray davis is you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's yeah. a complimentary piece too. Where you needed just a, a meat hammer, right, to just freaking get you. As Liam Cohen said in his introductory press conference, we're gonna need, we're gonna line up on third and one, and we're gonna run for that yard. Damn it! I mean, that wasn't verbatim, but it was basically what he said. So, getting that was huge. Uh, look at uh, we're gonna let's let's be uh, boring bloggers here and do what. KSR used to do in 2009. Let's assign grades. Are we going to – Kentucky's recruiting efforts in the transfer portal. How, how do we see it, right? How, overall, a, they, they're probably passing, but how, how, how do we think they fared? I mean, I would say B to B plus. I think they addressed their needs. Especially quarterback hits. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean – I think they addressed their needs. Them. They got the biggest – fish that they could get but i do i do think they made some swings here on some multi-year guys nick we'll have to see how it pans out Keyshawn silver jansen dunn jq hardaway Um, i think they think these guys can be pretty good but they are taking they're rolling the dice a little bit here on some of these guys Uh, but i think for them if you got on the truth serum they would tell you it's not that much different than a high yeah. school kid because these guys got three years. Like Silver will be a redshirt sophomore, Dunn will be a redshirt sophomore, and JQ Hardaway will be a true sophomore. Um, See, and then on the offensive line, I think they took maybe some bigger swings. You know, they we thought maybe three, they got two. Cox is coming off a major season in the injury, and Bulls didn't play at Alabama. I mean, so, and he's only got two years of eligibility left. He'll be a redshirt senior. This year, traditional redshirt senior Tanner Balls will. And so that's like I think they did they addressed the needs, but we got to see how it plays out. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm I, I think for some of these multi-year guys, like I'm going to treat it just like a high school kid. Where if you if we look back three years from now and you lump in guys from Wyatt's class, like Zion Childress, Jordan Robinson, um Dunn, Hardaway, let's lump in all of those guys together. You would like to see 70% of the of yeah. them hit. Like I, I you you can't get them all to be to pan out. It should, but it should be higher in the portal than it is with high school recruits, right? Yeah. Here's the thing with cornerback. They got nine scholarship players in that room, Nick. Jansen Dunn, Jordan Robinson, JQ Hardaway, Elijah Reed, Andre Stewart, Nasir Addison, Avery Stewart, all added in the last two recruiting cycles. Seven guys. Like if you're if you're spending that much scholarship, I mean seven per whatever seven percent of the eighty five is, like one or two of these guys need to play. Like, you know, you can't be spending scholarships and players not playing. Um, so I get why they were, maybe they wanted to be done after quarterback like that, because man, we've really spent some capital on this position. These last two cycles, we need to, you know, we need to get our return on investment here. Right. Right. And so that's big. They need some guys there to be able to play, whether it's maybe Avery Stewart or Addison can play as a true freshman. But you gotta have someone there. I mean, because you've loaded up here on guys, and you gotta, you know, recruit and develop. Now it's time for the development part. Whew. time to develop. Uh, man, it's time to move on. But I also need to point out that I just love how hoarse you are right now. <laughs> it makes me, it makes me so happy. I bl- this uh, is on Sam Hubbard. I blame this one hundred percent on Sam Hubbard. Um. Did you? You're, you're Here's the problem, Nick. I just spent. I mean, we. I didn't see the sun for two days. I literally w- stayed in the garage, went downstairs to the sports book, and that was. It. And then we walked outside when it was dark. After the, I mean, I had not. I hadn't seen the sun until. I le- and then when I, we left, the sun wasn't even out. So I literally didn't see the sun until I came home on when I woke up on Tuesday morning. Well. So, so uh, my question: Did you have any uh, shekels on the Bengals to cover, or was that is it? Because that nothing, was a, that was a big line. I, the the smartest plays I made all week were in the Bengals game. I bet the first first quarter Bengals minus two and a half because I knew they were taking the ball and I knew they were probably going to score one of the first two possessions. I took Bengals second half line down one minus four, so they just had to win by three. Had Jamar Chase over six and a half receptions. At J.K. Dobbins over sixty-one oh, and a half rushing yards. Freaking sharp over here! Not just just playing all the exotic plays. I love it. So that that helped a lot. Now I did have missed on Tyler Boyd over receiving yards, and I missed one more that I can't think but of. Still though, you won more than you lost. And so when I went, I was big the on the Bengals. Won. I was big on the Giants. Yeah, so I had a nice nice little Sunday. But nice, nice. Um, well, Saturday after I hit Kentucky was a bloodbath. <laughs> So that was it. Was nice to have a bounce back. Well, then, then the one win, Nick tries to talk me out of it right after I make it. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's what I do. That's but what that, I do. It was I'm all a, good. I'm a, I'm a mush, but um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm going to be making fun of your voice some more. We'll talk playoffs at the end of the show. But you, when you, while you were out, Liam Cohen did speak. He did his reintroductory press conference. He also talked with Matt Jones. He's done a bunch of interviews since. He also hung out with. Uh, our pal at Saturday on South, Connor O'Gara, his twin, which they even look more alike now, now that uh, Cohen's gotten more Hollywood on us. Yeah. Uh, so it that that just kind of always weirds me out. But uh, 
generally speaking, Lockett, did you have like of all the we wrote all the stories right? We we've dissected this a hundred different ways, but was there something to you in particular that really jumped off the the page to you when you heard it, saw it, read it? Yeah, I would say the offensive line comments. Like, we got to get back to like a a certain type of mentality and a certain type of player we're bringing in here is what I took from that. Colin was like, when I, when I was here, I didn't have to worry about that room. Mm-hmm. And like things fell off an absolute cliff last year. I mean, that's everybody knows that mm-hmm. it's the elephant in the room with the program. I think right now outside of QB recruiting. And so in the, if they want to run this type of off, more of a pro style offense, you can't really hide that. I mean, you can't really hide in anything. I mean, you got to that, that group's got to get a lot better. And the talk all draft prep, Nick, is just going to be how Kentucky couldn't protect Les. Oh man, it, I, I hate when the more buzz he gets, the more we're going to hear that. Like that is oh. going to be the ultimate talking point. Our guy um, Andy Sweeney, who loves to just throw the takes out there, does radio in Louisville. I mean, the best one he's made is. As good as it's going to be to have Levis in all of this draft talk, right? He's going to be the most scrutinized draft player out there. They're just going to hammer how bad the rest of Kentucky's team was this year. <laughs> like, they're just, it's going to be like, yeah, it's but they be can, all about like the offensive line stunk. The play they have the ultimate scapegoat though, you know, because the bad play caller and they got rid of them. Yeah, that's true. But it, it that's going that's going to be well established in this narrative. Um, yeah, but the rule, I think. Schematically, I don't think they're going to get hammered. I think a lot of it's just going to be their O line was so bad. You know, Lewis Riddick even talked about it during the Music City Bowl broadcast, which is like when you turn on Kentucky's take this year, they're just getting mauled at the line of scrimmage, which has not been the case. For and it was just, years and he was pretty much like, it's hard. One, it was hard to watch, and two, like it's hard to evaluate when you can't, you know, run any type of plays or whatever, and then. Levis was hurt, and he was kind of a statue back there. And it was just a, a bad deal for everybody involved. And so they got to fix that. That's that's a big deal. I mean, it's I think it's the ultimate pressure year for Yenzer. What's he got, a three-year contract, I think, Nick? Yeah, yep. You know, it's now or never for him in a lot of ways, I would, I would say. Um, he's really got to show some proof of concept, I think, this year. And now they got. He's going to have more bodies, more capable bodies. He's got experience now, because in a lot of ways he didn't walk it. You know, he walked into a tough spot. Um, but now there's there's more there, and you got this group has just got to be. He's got to show real, tangible improvement, and like a big step forward. And a big step is not like you ain't got to be great. Like low middle part of the league would be a big step forward for this bunch, and they just got to really. They got to be better than they were last year. Last year was just you can't have that type of year again. The um, the one thing that kind of stood out to me when he was talking about the whys of coming back, and first and foremost, I mean, I guess you assumed it, but I mean, he was specific when he said like he wants to be a college football head coach. I don't, we, I hadn't heard him say that before. Um, and his his parts about getting some roots right. He didn't say this part out loud. You know, he talked about like, oh, you know, in college, you're, you're, it's so much more than just schematically helping them. You're helping the whole football, which is true. 
you know, you, you play much more of a role in developing a human being in college football, developing young men than you do in college basketball. I get the sense too, like it when he talks about setting up roots. I get the sense that part of the reason why you come back too is you know that you have an upper hand here. Like, like when he said it's all about the players, well, it is all about the players at the professional level. If your guys get hurt, you're just toast. But I think I think at Kentucky, you can kind of make the players, you can give them a couple plus points based on out-scheming that defense and being better and putting them in positions to succeed. I think he knows that, and that's part of the reason why he's back here, is that he he can set himself apart, whereas in the NFL, like, you just got to have the dudes or you don't. You're a loser. Like, it doesn't matter. To me, just like hearing his comments, a lot of it was he wanted to be the one calling the plays. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he talked about, you know, you go to the Rams and it's McVay's show – They've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. We've talked about how loaded their staff was. Now he gets to run the show and he gets to he's the one that gets to call draw on third and six or four verts on first and ten. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his, you know, his the credit and blame falls on his at his feet, you know. I think that was a big part for him. I think he finally got that opportunity, got a taste of it, and I think he missed that taste. And I think that was a big reason. Why not? Now you date it back to even Cohen's name coming up in the South Carolina search. I think if, say, Scangarello works, Nick. Yeah. I think Cohen's probably somewhere calling plays. Mm-hmm. I think he really just wants to call plays. I think that was really a thing for him. I think he feels for his career he's going to be better off going to call plays somewhere. And so I think that's the decision he made. And I think being, you know, doing the college thing and being comfortable with it, I think probably a big deal because a lot of the guys maybe in his footsteps like some other coaches in the NFL don't want to do that because they don't have the experience where he's kind of got his feet wet in both both arenas and so I think that kind of adds up and that's why he's back here in the oh, money yeah, didn't hurt money, either money doesn't hurt at all I also think it's he has a little bit more pull this time around too I and mean, we mentioned it whenever it happened but He's yeah, going to have a little bit more yeah. autonomy when it comes to decision-making, and, whether it's personnel and recruiting or, you know, like if Mark says we're going for it, he can, he I think he feels confident enough calling the play and not just Mark saying, give it to, you know, give it, give yeah, it to just, Ray. Yeah, just think of it like the NFL, you got the GM. Well, one, you got the owner, then you got the GM, then you got the head coach. And if you're on the same side of the ball as a head coach, you're way down the pecking order. At Kentucky, he's first in line on the offense. You know, if you want a guy, he's probably going to get him. If he doesn't want him, it's probably going to be a no. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, you get the the play calling power, but you also got the personnel power too. I think that that's got to be attractive to a guy like that. I wasn't a big fan of his uh, high school quarterback recruiting quotes, but I also think that was him saying, hey, we're doing pretty good at getting portal players. Yeah, I had I wrote this story today. This really blew my mind, okay? <laughs> after Drew Barker left, or after Drew Barker started, began the season as a 2016 starter, as the QB1, and then got hurt. We all know that story. Kentucky signed seven high school quarterbacks over the next 
seven recruiting cycles. So this is, you know, you go from almost a full 16 season, full 17, full 18, full 19, full 21, full 22. That's, you know, you're getting close to like right around a, like 100, not, maybe not 100, but like 80 so games. Mm-hmm. They got two combined starts from high school kids they signed at quarterback. Oh, okay. Hold up, hold up. Let me think. Um, whew, did, They're very did recent. Bo, did Bo start a game? He didn't. Well, then Gunnar Hoke would have started a game, right? He never started one. What the hell? Who? They brought him in off the bench when he played. Terry won the job, and then they did a kind of rotating thing. They pulled him twice in Central Michigan and against Missouri, but Terry started both of those games. I mean, Luke Wright even transferred, so I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even count him because he was a transfer, too. Yeah, so who would have been a high school kid that they signed that actually – Oh, God. Two recent ones. Oh, Kaya Sharon, of course, this year. Kaya Sharon and Destin Wade. That That's the only two <laughs> high school signees to start games since Drew Barker. This that's is like, this is where they're at. You, you know, you go, you go down the list. You got Gunnar Hoke, Danny Clark, Nick Scalzo, Nick Scalzo Amani Gilmore, Bo Allen, Kaya Sharon, Destin Wade. That's your seven that they've signed. They haven't signed a top 250 recruit at that position since Barker. You know, it's it's been very – it would transfer you before the transfer portal at quarterback here. (laughs) And so that – you know, you just got to – you eventually have to address that. And there's two big kids in 2025 and Cutter Bowley and Ryan Montgomery. That's a ways off. Can they get in on somebody in 2024? I think Cohen's overarching answer was you don't want to, you know, he didn't want to put himself in one camp or the other. He kind of wants to straddle that line. Yeah, yeah. Because if he swings and misses, then he can just say, "Well, I wanted one of these anyway." You know, it's a good, it's an easy out. Yeah, smart. And the, I think too, my thing he with also wants to swing big on high school. Like he's not, he's yeah. going to be picky and would rather try fishing in the portal than get some other guys who just are never going to play again right. and waste a scholarship on them. Uh, and I think it's important to remember the super senior era is going away soon. Like we got two more classes after this one that will be eligible, 2019, 2020. After that, it's done. So you got a couple more seasons of that. Like Devin Leary couldn't do what he's doing right now once that era is over. Yeah, yeah. So you're so not, these guys aren't going to have extra years of eligibility. So that might going to make that it's going to make our gonna, lives easier. I'm tired of figuring out how they. I, I, I thought Brendan Bates was here for like his eighth year. I, I had no idea he could return. <laughs> yeah, that Monty Montgomery that just entered the portal, Nick, mm-hmm. class of 2017, high school. <laughs> the only reason I, he was a super senior, but he met in 2021. He only played three games, so I guess he's applying for a med red shirt. Man, and so that's Wild a guy time. who's played a long ass time, right? Speaking of uh, wild times, our friends down at Florida. It's an absolute mess. Jaden Rashada. I don't know who. So the 10,000 foot view, very simply, Rashada has been in it for the money for a long time. Uh, He initially committed to Miami, flipped to Florida when they seemingly sweetened the, the deal. And we didn't know about it at the time. And none of this really came out until the deal started to fall apart. Uh, early enrollees were showing up to campus. Rashada did not, and that's well, they had when... a, they had the drama on signing day where he oh, he signed true. late. 
Yeah. Like they pushed the press conference back like two hours. They had a little Keontae situation down in Florida. But he ended up signing and then not showing up because I guess the checks didn't clear. And the part that shocked me, Luckett, is that this kid thought that like he was worth $13 million or somebody thought that he was worth $13 million because that was the number that was thrown out there. And I was just like, $13 million? That's like what you pay C.J. Stroud to come back. It's like a proven guy that you're trying to keep from the NFL. This dude could be a – I mean, Emory Jones had the same ranking as this guy, right? Like second-ranked dual threat. He could be a total bust. So yeah, not the a fact home that they were, yeah. The fact that they were willing to pay that initially is ridiculous. But look at you might have can you fill in the blanks here? Because I, I do feel like I'm missing some and I'm not into the message boards as much as you are. So uh, I did also see some cryptic tweet too where it was almost like the collective, the Gator Collective was Gator Collective, yes threatening to sue or something, but I couldn't tell which party it was. If it was the people who promised money that didn't give it to them, that are the reason why the deal fell apart, or if they were going to threaten to sue Rashada because he didn't show up to campus after agreeing to a deal. Yeah, so... (laughs) It's a mess. (laughs) This recruitment had, like, some of the more uh, maybe sketchy dealers. I mean, you had Miami, Ole Miss was involved. Florida is desperate. I mean, you had some interesting characters, I think, in this recruitment. Um, His kid's from California, Nick. His dad played Arizona State. He played in one of those seven-on-seven teams called the Immortals, like travel ball. He goes, like, he visits my – he visits either Miami or Ole Miss a bunch of times. I think A&M was also in this recruitment, throw another another one of those – more desperate schools, I think, in here. And I think that's what happened here. This is me. I, I This is not reported by anybody. This is me just maybe reading between the lines a little bit. Miami and Florida got kind of this heated thing going on right now, recruiting-wise. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they both went – they both butted heads hard for Kermani McClain. Like, he was seen as a Florida lean. He commits to Miami. He committed to Miami because John Ruiz wrote a check – John Ruiz is a super booster. That seven-on-seven team I was just talking about with Rashada, John Ruiz finances that team. And so they've had a few other battles where they're just going kind of head-to-head on guys. And this was a big one. And I think Florida maybe got sick of losing guys to Miami. And so a bunch of the rich people got together. And I think what happened here was that they were expecting – a super booster with who had donated maybe $13 million last year, year before or whatever, that they were just going to do- donate $13 million again. And that's where the money I think for Rashada came from. Um, but I think what happened was that they just didn't donate the money. Like there was probably, some, there was a miscommunication somewhere along the line from what I've kind of uncovered. And so like Rashada was at the all under armor, all American game, like the weekend before the enroll date, like he was going to be a spring enrollee. Right. He's talking about it the Under Armour American game. Yeah, we're staying down here in Orlando for a couple of days. And we're all driving up to Gainesville. I'm excited to move in. I mean, he met with the reporters, and he just that never shows up. So somewhere along the line, like, yeah, someone wrote a check they couldn't cash, right? And so 
you kind of follow Rashada's recruitment, it seemed like the money with Florida, I mean, he only went, I think, for his official visit. And then he went for a game, I think, later in the year. It wasn't they weren't super on the radar until something that seemed to happen late in the process. So you gotta think it was a total money situation. And it it broke down because obviously like he's not worth thirteen million dollars. Not right now. No. Not right now. Yeah, that's just that's a lot, you know, not that's a lot of money. Um mm-hmm. And so something happened there, and and now he's not going to end up at Florida. And now Florida's kind of – they're in scramble mode, Nick. Like, they reached out to Devin Leary. It didn't go anywhere. They end up taking Graham Mertz. They reached out to Walker Howard. Didn't go anywhere. Like, they've got a quarterback issue there right now. Anthony Richardson went pro. They, you know, well, it's just things aren't – like, they have a really good, I think, recruiting class. I think Napier did a really good job here at this recruiting class. But they just had some public, like, bad misses that were big, that were publicized recruitments that's made yeah. this maybe class kind of look bad. And that's, that's some of that stuff's hard to well, get over, especially Florida, because they want to be, see, because they want to, like, Georgia, like, Georgia's setting this bar so high right now. And that's ultimately who they're going to compare themselves to. Yeah, that, that makes the job harder. And then if Florida State and Miami are good, it makes it even harder. And so it's just like, you know, it's just a weird spot in Aper's in right now. It all comes down to perception. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 they didn't it's, control the narrative. Because in and you do not want to look like the school in the nil era that doesn't follow through on promises. That's where you just, yeah. you, you especially early on, right? Like, you know, you don't want to be the first ones with a high profile miss of this magnitude and that's what it's looking like right now um so i i mean the fan base is really a place like florida where as you mentioned i mean billy napier was writing open letters to fans the first time they they whiffed on rashada like they brought him here specifically for this reason to get guys like rashada and to have it like you've got the guy signed you think it's over with and then he just doesn't show up I mean, it's bad. It's bad. I don't know what the kid does. I know they said he asked for to let go of his – like, what if they just said, no, we're not going to let go of your letter of intent? Like, I, the way they're – they're just – they're like, no, like, they're just doing that stuff. Guys are getting red shirts when they want them. Their NCAA has just kind of turned a blind eye to all that stuff. I would assume he'll get out of that NLI. I'm fairly easy. where he ends up after that. I mean – Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, crazy. Crazy stuff. Um yeah, if you think if you're worried about UK's nil, like, well, Nick, I don't know if you case of emergency. Like, this is the four alarm fire, worst possible case scenario. From all accounts, their NIL is just kind of a mess, and like they're using athlete advantage now. Like, athlete yeah. advantage is signing Florida players. They signed like, they signed Graham Mertz the other day. Yeah, which I don't know how that works. Like, well, I think athlete advantage is. You know, they're doing stuff for Kentucky, but I think they see themselves as more than they're like they're an agency, right? Right, right. So they wanna do they wanna get in other markets. They don't just wanna do it's this, true. even though Kentucky is their biggest, you know, quote unquote client, I guess you would say. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. They're gonna have a big uh And they signed Har- like Harkless signed with them today too, I think. I saw Jamarian Harkless from Douglas who's going to Purdue. 
I'll be uh, – they're doing a big thing for the 15 next Saturday, which I'm I'm interested to see what that looks like. Big junior day in town? Yeah, big junior day in town. So that makes it the ideal time to have your premier kind of nil event where, A, you, you fundraise, right? Because if you're a member of the 15 Collective, you get free tickets. If you want to just go, you just pay 15 bucks uh, to attend this thing and – it's, it sounds kind of like a fan day, but I just I just don't know what it's going to look like. So who's all going to be there, how it's going to work. This will be the first kind of event of its kind, the first kind of meet and greet to reward people who are donating to the nil. So I'll be there, and I, I'm just fascinated to see how, how it all looks like. And, you know, if you want to – if you're hesitant on what this stuff's going to look like, it might just be – might be worth the, the price of admission just to, to see it all and – Worst case scenario, your 15 bucks is going to go to one of those guys' pockets, one of those kids' pockets. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. So a whole new world of college football we're in right now. Uh, One of those guys who collected quite a bit, good amount of coin uh, during his time in Lexington is getting ready to get a huge paycheck at the next level. That's Will Levis, who we're 99 days away from the NFL draft. And uh, on day 100, I got to looking at some stuff. and. His odds are are dropping, right? Like he's basically second choice uh, at quarterback uh, in both the sportsbook markets and in the dra- mock draft markets, which I know people get tired of mock drafters, but like there's something to that, right? Uh, Dane Brugler put his out and that's where he had him going. Mm-hmm. So um, that's certainly noteworthy. Um, it's also noteworthy too, the way this draft order is going to shake out. A lot of... You don't know who the coaches of the Colts and the Texans are going to be, but whoever's going to get hired there, like whoever wants their guy, they're going to have to make moves or not make moves. Like the Texans might feel content, but I I feel like the Colts or somebody is going to trade Chicago for that top pick and they might just fall in love with Will Levis. Um, So I'm fascinated by all of it. He's working out with Jordan Palmer right now and Jordan Palmer is kind of a kingmaker when it comes to NFL draft. Quarterback training. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. It's Mahomes. I think Mahomes. Mahomes, I think. Long yeah. list. Yeah. Um, Trevor Lawrence. Um, like, so. Yeah, my thing is, like, he's got a real shot to go number one overall. I don't think he will, but I think he's got a real shot here. You know, and at worst, I think, like, his floor seems top ten right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say. Um and so, like, he's just gonna—it's gonna be the highest draft pick we've seen. And you know, if he goes ahead of six, I believe Josh Allen was six. Mm-hmm. Be the highest we've seen here in a long time. And so, uh, seventh. He was seventh. Seventh. Okay. I think Bud was in the twenties or something like that. But yeah. yeah, it's um, it'll be fun for us too. We were having this conversation privately, but uh, which uh, yeah, off-air producing. Already checked, combine window for credentials is not open. But the combine's going to be fun this year because we're going to get, like, 
the the thing about this too, Levis is going to be the most um talked about him and Bryce Young. Yeah. Because it's gonna be college football media versus NFL draft media. They're just gonna like ah, they're just gonna fight over who you know why why you should pick this guy, why you shouldn't. He's gonna be this is gonna be like first take t- type stuff on Will Levis. And we're going to be just front and center for all of it. I mean, th- just thinking about the interviews for his combine thing, because he's going to be on stage one. There, he's going to be the number one guy in that window. Yeah, we're going to have to get up there early and like camp to carve out. out a spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, and then the drafts in Kansas City. Kansas City feels like our City. kind of place too. Like it barbecue for sure. And they've got like their four. It's at their Fourth Street Live. I don't know what they call it. It's like uh, yeah, I've seen pictures of that that place. I mean, it's the same people who made Fourth Street, but like they have actual sports nearby, and like it's not a deserted place anymore, like like our Fourth Street. But it looks like a a hell of a time. So I'm um, I'm, I'm looking forward. To it. Yeah, that whole the combine's all going to be about Bryce Young. How big is he? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Can he hold up? And like Levis is just going to be like his numbers. I want Levis to bench too. I want him to do everything. Just like, just go out there and yeah, the, like thirty times on the bench press. Yeah, now that he's got this kind of established, I think place in the draft. He probably, I highly doubt he does the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Yeah, we haven't heard anything on that, but I highly doubt he does the Senior Bowl. But like, yeah, why play in a game right now? It's just gonna be working out in Cali, going in the combine, doing all those meetings with teams. Pro Day, Kentucky. And that's really going to be it. And it's going to be a zoo. Like that Pro Day, NFL Network will be there for that Pro Day. Oh, man. Like that'll be one of the ones they air live. And we get to hear your Mark Stoops bitch about the indoor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's going to be complaining about the turf. Uh, which, by the way, our boy Jordan Anthony won a track meet there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I realize that. this, but they said that the new track facilities under construction. So maybe uh, maybe this is the last spring ball. With yeah, but it's just going to be like the, this draft circuit is going to be wild with Leva stuff. Because um, I, I got a hunch, Nick, like we're just not – they're not really – these NFL people I don't think are going to throw Scangarello totally under the bus. Mm-hmm. But they're just going to crap on Kentucky's offensive line. Like, I mean, they really are just going to, you know, crap on him and – Kentucky supporting cast. I mean, Bruegel's already writing about it, like how the supporting cast was just not good. Um, it's going to turn into he had a bunch of freshman receivers, terrible offensive line. This is what happens, and he played through an injury. Um, but like, it's definitely trending towards him going pretty high in this draft, which is crazy. Thank you. Over a year ago, who would have thunk it? But mm-hmm. here we, that's are. we are. Yeah. Uh, but we know, have well, we literally have three months to talk about that. Like that is going right. to be most of our job until uh, derby season. Oh man, you know what uh, didn't surprise me though? Shane Beamer's calling out uh, radio hosts and uh, where is this Upstate the fan Upstate? Yeah, I think so, so. He's calling out the Spartanburg radio people right now. Um, fired up because. He said Shane Beamer really wanted Garrett Riley. He really wanted him, but he ended up at Clemson. What does that say about his program? Shane, our our favorite podcast guest, 
said, I normally don't respond to second-rate JV radio programs I've never heard of, and apparently no one else has either considering you're in upstate and only have 8,000 followers. Do you have a good source other than, I don't know, me? Happy for Garrett. We got our guy. First and foremost, you go on second-rate JV radio programs. Like that's, that's your favorite thing to do. That's how you spend all your free time. That's your hobby, Shane. So shut the hell up. Secondly, you worked with this dude's brother. How couldn't you get him? Right? You have a Dow Loggins? She's least. What a loser. It's just going to be a long offseason with this guy. I mean, it's, it's going to be long, and there's going to be all kinds of this. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand his – that just that'd be like Mark Stoops coming at me, literally. No, I mean, but it would, you don't know shit about Cover Three or something. I mean, it would be more like him going after like John Spears or something, though. Where it's yeah, like, you know, like at least we're like the not not to brag, but we're the top Kentucky media platform. In the way that South Carolina works too, is there's there's because Columbia is technically the largest city, but it's a lot of very mid sized cities. Yes. So it's it's like you have like seven different newspapers that all cover them and a bunch of different radio. So like it's a very unique all middle tier. Uh, it's a small town landscape. state for sure. Yeah. So it's it's very very bizarre for him to go match this dude. And then the other part of this too that we aren't gonna like we Dabo going out and firing his guy and, and getting somebody from another school is significant. Uh, yeah. Like, he just doesn't do that. That's how desperate he is. He's willing to bend, bend the rules of his own moral guidelines a little bit to hire somebody. But, I mean, I, I, I feel like Garrett Riley would be the most popular OC play caller hire after what he did this year at TCU, even though I don't even think he was the play caller. Yeah, the first first things like, last time Dabo did this, like, he got Chad Morris and Brent Venables. When he's gone out of his comfort zone, it's worked. So I think you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And he's teaming a Texas offense up with a Texas quarterback in Kate Klubnick. Like, it's going to – I think it's going to work. And it's probably going to be pretty good for them. Um, for Beamer, there's just no – like, he's doing some stuff this – like, he was always out in front. And pl- more. it's more playful with the media before. But now he's, like, taking some jabs at people. The – you know, he went after Gene Sapikoff, who's a columnist at one of the, I believe, the char- the Curry. He's either the, the Charleston, Charleston paper. Or the, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Charleston paper, who's been doing that job. I don't know, for, Gene. <laughs> he's been doing that job for 30 years. He was, he, you know, that's okay. You're going after that guy. That guy's not going to forget that, probably. He's going to be around longer than you are. Yeah. And so, and then the second one, just like, like doing that to like that, that guy is just like I'm assuming that Upstate Radio Show is very much just probably a take artist and trying to spin things and get a buzz out of people. Like you going at after it just doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing that, man? And so it's just interesting now that he's they got some wins under his belt. He's like oh. he's going more from playful to more like trying to swing and start you know kerfuffles online. Um, so we'll see how it works for old Beamer, but it's gonna be like he's gonna be doing this all off season, man. It's just gonna be well, exhausting. So, in 
if you want to know, it is that is the Tate guy. Um, he's the guy that like the hack that'll have me yeah. on that, ask basketball questions every time. Uh, he's in a basketball school, like you know. He he was doing uh he was making fun of Kentucky's schedule this year too their non conference schedule. It'd be like if if Satterfield tried to come after KRC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like come after TJ Walker, the sports talker. Yeah. Oh wild, man, wild old Shane Beamer. Um, uh, well, this weekend we got what could your your favorite weekend is Memorial Day weekend for football Labor Day Labor Day weekend. Excuse me. I, this is definitely top five. I would say this is the best NFL weekend outside open week because you get Thursday. It's it's like this one nonstop long thing. You still get college football Saturday. But you pretty much got your best – is it eight teams now? Yeah, your best eight teams, your final yeah, four games. Finals. Yeah, this is awesome. This is fun. And I, I'll pull up the lines, but I can bet your sweet ass – I'm betting the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover a big number at Kansas City because can you trust Kansas City to cover a big number? Isn't doesn't and also doesn't this feel like the kind of like not not when the Titans beat them, but I don't know. It just feels like a it, Kansas City plays with their food a little bit. They win by six, you know, and then they go and they host the AFC Championship. They win and then they or the, the neutral side AFC Championship. Excuse me. And then they go on to to win in uh, the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, the Jags are the house money team, too, because they really have nothing to lose, and Peterson's a wild card. Mm-hmm. Coach, I mean, they'll just go for it, and they've had a bunch of crazy comebacks this year. Like, you could definitely see Chiefs leading, like, 24-7 at half, but only end up winning 34-27 or something. Like you could for sure see something like that. The Jags make it interesting late, or the Jags get a lead and Mahomes has one of his patent wild comebacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see. For my sake, for my sake, she, I, I would prefer Chiefs just boat race, and then we get the dud next week. But the Bengals got to get by the Bills first. How how do you feel about your offensive line right now, Lucky? Are you are you watching Deja Vu all over again? I I don't What's feel great. But the bill, like, I'm more worried about the Chiefs and like Chris Jones than I would be. Like, the Bills' interior rush is not, it's solid, but it's not, it's not the Titans. It's not Jeffrey Simmons and the Nico Autry. It's not Chris Jones. So I think they could be okay this week. I think the game essentially could come down to which quarterback makes better decisions, especially late. Over the season, Josh Allen has told us that. That's not a strong suit of his. So I think if the Bengals can hang in there, they're probably going to win it late. But I do worry about, you know, protecting Burrow. Well, and I think you got to worry about – I mean, they didn't really do anything in that second half against the Ravens. I mean, yeah. they were yeah, just holding I, your life. I, I, yeah, but I think what we saw, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Bengals, is just – those division teams, they just know each other like the back of their hand. That's true, too. Yeah, that's a good you point. You know, so they're able to just they, – those games are close just because – you know, we see it in NCAA basketball all the time. Like, the SEC games end up being like, you know, that you might really struggle, grind, and then Kentucky has gotten out of that as the SEC and they look great in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's just because they got out of it where a team doesn't know them um, very well. And the Ravens, I mean, you got to hand it to their defense. Their defense was really awesome. Last, last two games against the Bengals really gave the Bengals a lot of issues. 
That's why I would have to say that you would be an absolute moron, an idiot, a buffoon if you bet Eagles minus seven and a half this week. Like, there's just like what about anything you've seen in the NFL says that this team that has really struggled down the stretch is going to be fresh, hungry, ready to romp. A team that just came off a huge. I mean, the Giants looked awesome in that game. Like the way they were running the football. um, I, I do. I think they're getting. Like part of the Eagles' problem was injuries, and I know that's a lot of teams, but I think they are going to have uh, big Jordan Davis healthy. Um, I don't know about Lane Johnson, and I also don't know about Jalen Hurts. So, whereas I could see the Eagles winning this game, nothing in me says that they're going to win by more than a touchdown. Yeah, Hurts was a touchdown and a half, or Hurts is off the injury report. Eagles are laying a touchdown and a hook, but it's third, third meeting in the division. Last yeah. time here, Eagles won by 30. Yeah. Highly doubt that happens again. You're right, the Eagles kind of limped there towards the end of the season. And these two teams played. The Eagles rested some guys, but the Giants had a lot of success. And I think they played that game, actually, in Philadelphia, and the big the blowout was up in the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah well, I mean, the Giants playing with a lot of confidence. They got a great coaching staff. Yeah, Dayball, like, the Giants had to just be, like, freaking hyped that they got a guy like Dayball in. I mean, Daniel Jones went he went from 31st in offense in the league back-to-back years, and then now Daniel Jones looks like, oh, well, this is why we spent yep. a pick on this guy. Solid um, drafting on the offensive line. They got their two mm-hmm. pillars, a tackle Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. Yep. Now to build around. And they got a healthy Saquon. I mean, that was a big part for the Giants this year. True. Barkley just stayed healthy. And yeah. so, you know, he's a, he's one of the better weapons in football. Right. And so that, right. that helped a lot. And then they've leaned into Jones – Kind of running ball, and I think seeing John, well, Allen's obviously the easy comp, but like seeing Jones, what he does, Nick, like it makes the Levis sell easier. I think for some of these NFL teams, that's true. That's true, especially the way he's run the ball, and he didn't. They didn't utilize that at all this year. Um, man, this also makes me wish Mondale wasn't hurt, right? Because like yeah. that is the biggest glaring void with the New yeah, York. Yeah, I mean, Giants. they got that. They got Isaiah Hodgins off the trash heap. Like he was cut by Buffalo middle of the season. He was a seventh-round pick. They just picked him up, and he's just been a boss for them. He had, I think, seven for 100 mm-hmm. against the Vikings. The Vikings' defense is pretty damn bad. Um, it's going to be a stiffer challenge this week in Philly. but you know, that, And what? that's going to be a nasty I mean, The NFC East games are just like them and the AFC yeah. North. It's just nasty. Like <laughs> The fan bases hate each other. The teams hate each other. It, it's just, and it's just going to be a nasty football game. What are we – the one that I, I don't I don't know what to make heads or tails of, and, and it's partially because I can't trust the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That game – If you put the like, – Do I trust the Cowboys or do I trust Mr. Irrelevant? Like, if you if that Dallas team wore any other jersey and had yeah, a different yeah. logo – Yeah, you're right. You'd probably be on them. But the yeah. fact that they're, they're the Cowboys and you've seen it. I worry about if there was an overreaction to Dallas this past week. I mean, the Bucks were terrible. They were awful, awful the last two months of the season. And they, they, played, they hit three bombs against the Panthers. I mean, that's really the only reason they won the game. Every other time they were just – like the Bengals went down there, got behind, and they just started fumbling and turning over every play. I mean, they were awful this year. And so, yeah, you want to like maybe fade the Cowboys here because there may be too much of an overreaction. Meanwhile, the Niners have been great. For, the Niners have been great for two months. Um, 
but you keep waiting for the Brock Purdy. All right, sooner or later, this is going to, like, stop. Like, you You're know, right. he's going to turn into a like, in your mind, it's like, sooner or later, he's going to make some mistakes. And there, there's not going to have guys streaking wide open. And maybe this is a team that can do it, a team that can rush the passer like Dallas. You're just not going to have a lot of time to drop back and throw the ball. Number 11, Michael Parsons, is a freak show. Yeah, but that's two teams with a rich history. That's going to be like – that'll be a cool game to watch. Yeah, regardless. especially – Great uniform game. Oh, great uniform game. And I saw somebody – they they played um, – they pulled an old intro from a 90s, you know, Troy Aiken. Yeah, I saw TV that too. Yeah. With Pat Summerall. And I just like – man, it's like, well, uh, here I am back in my parents' basement playing Yeah, football. that's what I thought that took me back to. <laughs> the sound of Pat Summerall. Yeah. Uh, which, no offense to Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart, but it – this game has to have Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling it. Like, I don't – I think it actually might be NBC. Uh, I'm not certain. They're they're on – they're Fox. Cowboys, uh, Niners, or Fox? Yeah, Fox got two games this weekend. NBC is Chiefs-Jacks. They're the first Saturday. I, I need Joe and Troy to call Niners-Cowboys. Like, that's just – it's just – that's the Joe Buck-Troy Aikman game. Like, it just is. Uh, it's a shame that's not going to be the case, but I'm excited – uh, I hit one year. I hit all four games, and I thought I could, you feel like the smartest person alive if you can string together a four-team parlay with all of these. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do just of yet, but I think you have talked me into continuing to fade the Cowboys. And you know what? If I keep losing money uh, betting against the Cowboys, then like, so what? Like, fade them all the way to fade them till I can't fade them no more. Um, but. Yeah, I'm, uh, I do think the winner of that game is probably going to the Super Bowl, though. Cowboys yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm also with you on – actually, I think the Chiefs are – do I have to say it like it? Like, I'm worried your, your team of destiny you're, – you're going up against a team of destiny and there's just no stopping it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to – regardless, it's going to be tough to win in Buffalo, Kansas City, back-to-back. It's just going to be right. really hard. I do kind of like – like, I do like that they – not like, but – it would have been tough to beat Buffalo two times in a row in a three, oh, four-week span. Right, that's true. So you, well, you, you've kind of avoided that, but but we'll see. I mean, the Bills haven't played great lately either. You know, they've had some no, duds in haven't. there. And a lot of it's Allen just trying to do too much and turning it over. Um, it, the Bengals, too. I've I will say that about the Bengals, their, def- their defense just – they just have a knack for – Making game-changing plays or two, they've done it. They did it every week in the playoffs last year, and they did it this past week. Freaking Sam Hubbard. Allen's just, you know, he's good for two or three bonehead plays a game. It seems like in these big games. Um, but if he, but if we, if my theory on it is, if you got Allen's A game, it's probably going to be damn hard for the Bengals to win. But if they get Allen's B or C game, I think the Bengals probably win. Go in and win there. Did you take your shirt off at the book when Hubbard was going 98 I did, yards? I did. I was, you know, you see those plays and you don't know if it's like real or not, right? <laughs> like you're just kind of like waiting for the whistle to blow. So I'm looking around and then he got to the 30. I was like, go! <laughs> Somebody block Andrews! <laughs> and then it held. Then you want to see, like, you're like, you're pumped because they scored. And then you're like, let me see the replay. Right. And the first one, you can't tell. You're like, uh. And then you see the second one, and then the place just exploded when they realized it was short. There was a bunch of Bengals fans actually in the book. Oh, that's great. And so, yeah, it was a good time. Very fun. Oh, man. Well, hopefully we have some more fun this weekend. Uh, 
we're we're efforting to for the next because this is kind of a slower time. We're efforting to get some of the the outgoing cats on here to to chat with them about their seasons to have a little fun. Uh, we, we I know we did that with Fortner, which it's still just so weird to me that that dude's like getting his name called individually out when they're doing the Jags intros. Like that's just wild. Um, but my favorite in the past too when we did. I think it was was it Phil Hoskins and Calvin Taylor at the same time. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, maybe we, we can make some magic happen like that again uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, but until then, enjoy the football this weekend for Adam Luck and I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on america's number one sports book right now new customers get 200 dollars in bonus bets if your first five dollar bet wins on fanduel that's 200 bucks to use on point spreads money lines you can even pick who's going to win it all just visit fanduel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.